Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the Swole Patrol. It's the Swole Patrol today. We're talking about eating lots of meat and getting super buff. Like Sean Baker, he is here and he rose really fast. He deadlifts more than you do, I can guarantee it. And he dunks basketballs and has a huge cock. I've seen the outline in his tight pants. And I know a big cock when I see one. Wonder when that piece was going to wow. get. Into what do you mean? I wonder wow. when that was going to enter into the the lyrics. I'm just. just it, it was late. It was nice, late. That's all. Full veiny member. Wow. So oh, this episode I'm of Swole Patrol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this be. episode of Swole Patrol, courtesy of True Recovery and Hydrolite. Hydrolite.com slash Dr. Drew. Our newest sponsor, Select CBD. Thank you so much to everyone. Learn more about this CBD product. Go to drdrew.com slash select. That's my site, drdrew.com slash select. That's my site. That's your site. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> we, got, we got a lot of cut, cut, cut and paste here. Uh, that's Dr. Drew's site, of course, drdrew.com slash select. For a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with code Dr. Drew and listen at the break for more info on these amazing products. Today, we welcome back to the show the man behind the carnivore movement, Dr. Sean Baker. Hey, can I can I just do something totally off because the CBD stuff? Because I don't I don't know much about. It. I mean, does that stuff? Do you find that it works for yeah, a lot of people? It, What's the, your I'll, thoughts on uh, that? It's strictly anecdotal. We don't right? have the data sure. yet. Uh, and I tried it. It disrupted my sleep. She tried it. I'm pointing at my wife. Uh, had it, anxiety the next day. She had a panic attack the next day because I can't um, do that stuff. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, there's clearly some for some some people uh, think it's anti-inflammatory and yeah. and uh, you had me use the lo- the, the oil lotion, man the uh, rub yeah, yeah. The, I've, so i've tried the rubs i've tried the little bit of the pills i've tried pills with th a little tiny bit of thc uh, which is some people claim is how it works Maybe I got a little pain relief. I'm not sure if it was anti-inflammatory. Or I not. definitely get sleep aid. Doctor Drew, it, it screwed disrupt his sleep. sleep. Yeah. My, for me, it, man, it knocks me out. It's been the greatest godsend since I'm incapable of using, you know, sleeping yeah. pills, yeah. Um, the good kind. Uh, the CBD, man, half hour before I go to bed, it, it really does. See, I, on the other hand, have complete knockout from melatonin. I mean, completely gives me sleep for about five hours. Um, so, you know, these biologies are, are very variable, very complicated. Um, we will get some clinical data soon because CBD is like the new, uh, Bitcoin. I mean, yeah, so many kinda, different it's, CBDs. It's kind of, it's kind of funny, funny story. So my next door neighbor he, in my house in New Mexico, he, he wanted to rent my house for the purpose and, and, and eventually buy it because he's growing, growing a big giant CBD. He, he got a license and he's got this big, huge, uh, greenhouse mm-hmm. and he's like, 
I want your property because I want to grow more. And I'm like, well, I can't sell the house anyway right now because this market's not good. So sure. here, rent it and do what you want. It, so it's it, kind of interesting. It doesn't seem to do harm. I we still this the jury is still out for sure on addicts whether yeah. addicts should be using it or not. He is long enough into recovery that it's probably not that big a deal either way. It's so weakly psychotropic or wait, so weakly psychoactive. Um, but again, this all questions to be answered. Long term use, who knows? You know, we. But uh, the anecdotes are piling in, and and a lot of psychiatrists are using it for anxiety. I've seen that. So it, it's being used. It's out there. It's just I can't yet say it with great uh, uh, clinical certainty. That's kind of similar to the, the carnivore diet with the anecdotes piling in. Well, we're I was going to say we're seeing the same a, thing. A, a lot know? of stuff. And a lot more. A lot more anecdotal evidence though with the carnivore diet than I that I'm seeing with CBD. Because this is why. Because the evidence with the anecdotal evidence with carnivore diet is objective i can see physically see you lost 40 pounds and your bench press is higher like i you know what i'm saying whereas cbd yeah. is completely it's subjective, subjective. You know? yeah i'll grant you that and, and the the where the other similarity is too is again we don't have really long-term data on carnivore and we definitely don't have long-term data on cbd yet do you feel like we have long-term enough uh, horizons on, on carnivore? No, no. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we don't. But, you know, I mean, honestly, and this is one of the criticisms people will levy is say there's no long-term data. But, I mean, when you really look at the data out there, there's no long-term data on any diet. I mean, if you want to look at a, a long-term randomized control trial that you've isolated that diet, you know, it's just never been done. It's too expensive to do, quite honestly. And so there's, you know, there's, there's epidemiology where they follow populations and they say – well, this group of people ate a little bit more of this, and, and they lived longer, or they had less heart disease or less cancer, and so therefore the diet must be good. Well, that's really not a very good way to determine what you and I should be eating. It just right. really isn't. And I know if you, I don't know if you know where Professor John Anitis out of Stanford. He's yeah. he's a probably one of the most published or cited scientists in the uh, public health uh, field, and he's come out and said just recently. He said that the, all the nutritional epidemiology we've done is. Basically, not taught us anything. Well, that's what Kate Shanahan always says, right? Kate, you okay? Mm-hmm. Kate, yeah, Kate, you know, nutrition. Author, yeah, right? she's yeah. A I haven't bio, met her, but I know she's a biochemist, with, and right? she's like, we can't say. It. I'm a biochemist. I right. know when you can can make. You, should, you can talk about certain kinds of fats. You can talk about certain things here, and that's it. That's what all we can really say. But but let's let's dig in on the sure. <laughs> on some of this stuff. Sure. Um, I have a million questions. Uh, and also, I want to get a little bit into uh, what's Feldman's first name? Dave. Dave Feldman. Right. Yeah, his, yeah, his stuff. I mean, yeah, it's I, interesting. It's we interviewed him, yeah. and and he's trying to make a science. Uh, again, I'm not sure I can reproduce his thinking because it's right. it's a mathematical sure. model. I know I fucking can't. Well, it was it was challenging even talking to him. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he he's he's he favors an energy theory of lipid transport, basically. Basically, I mean, in a nutshell, I mean, I'm sure he went over this, but I mean, it's basically if you are in a relatively nutritionally deprived state your liver is going to just ship out more more fat via free fatty acids uh, lipoproteins and then of course the cholesterol traffics with it and then if you're in a relatively nourished state it does the opposite that's why we see this dynamic you know if if there's a nice study out there that was done on people that want to to win one week fast and they saw their total cholesterol went up something like it was between thirty-five and seventy percent, right? So, so it's, it's just from fasting. So the idea is a feedback loop, right? Like many right. other neuroendocrine right. kinds of phenomena in the body. So uh, you know, my experience on the I, I'm not a pure carnivore diet because I just like vegetables too sure. much, and and I get palate fatigue relatively easily. But uh, my cholesterol on this essentially carnivore diet, my HDL's never been higher. Right. My LDL, I'm on a statin, so it's pegged right where it always is. My tr- triglycerides have never went 
way yep. down, yep. way down. And we know that's a favorable. We think and, that's a favorable ratio. Well, recently there's been a bunch of. I don't know if you saw. I think in the England Journal this week they have another. I mean, med- it's, it's again all these other numbers are. But they have another influx. medication to treat triglycerides. This is a, they had a long term multi year study on a medication lowered triglyceride, much less cardiovascular disease. So yeah. I, I felt like that was a pretty good indication of triglyceride and heart disease. What about always, glucose? Well, what about glucose? This this is Feldman gets deep into that too, doesn't right. he? Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, it's he talks about this phenomenon of the lean mass hyperresponder, where the profile tends to be they're very lean, they're very, you know, you would think looking at them they're very healthy, and probably quite honestly they are, but they'll 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 tend to run higher HDLs, higher LDLs, lower triglycerides, and their glucose can sometimes trend upwards, particularly if they're utilizing, uh, you know, if they're, they're if they're very active, and that's there's a there's a on our podcast we had an interesting guy named Alessandro Ferretti who deals with a lot of Olympic level athletes, and they did. They did some studies on these guys, and they saw that particularly guys involved, engaged in high sprint-like activities, particularly when they're high training loads, their glucose went up into diabetic levels, and they're fasting glucose. And, he's, so and, and they're ripped. These guys are totally athletic. That's so crazy. So we're so seeing that's that. All, so the way I would think about that, I would imagine the body is adapting to stress by being able to deliver through probably – Gluconeogenesis, not gluconeogenesis so much, but glycogen breakdown from right. yeah. the so skeletal the, yeah. muscle, probably, right? Well, see the, that's prob- the most probably, rapidly well, available. Yeah, well, that's where you want it, right? But then the yeah. liver is also going to dump some into yeah. the blood. Uh, interestingly, I don't know if you're, you guys know Jason Fung. I don't know if you were. I'm familiar with him, but he's got a, he's got an interesting book called The Diabetes Code. He talks about you know what is the pathophysiology of diabetes. You know, insulin plays a huge role in there. We tend to just not even measure insulin for most people, mm-hmm. and it's just a very important part. But it's really not the glucose in the blood that's causing the problem. It's the glycation that's occurring in the in the end organs. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's the retinal vessels in the eye or the you know the renal the renal vessels. You know, when we see the end stage nephropathy and then also the you know the diabetic peripheral peripheral vascular disease, we see all that stuff, and that's because of this glycation that's happening. Interestingly, if if we look at fructose, is about twenty times more powerful of a glycating agent than mm-hmm. glucose is. And so, as we know, our diet is over the last you know, 50 years has uh, included a lot more fructose in the diet via things like high fructose corn syrup. And so that, you know, maybe that has a problem. I think seed oils, I don't know if you paid much attention to seed oils. Kate uh, is big on that. Yeah, that's, that seems to be very problematic. And again, if we look at when they were introduced in the human diet, you know, uh, I think it was uh, cotton seed oil back in the 18, late 1800s, you know, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin and then they had all this extra, Stuff these seeds they had to get rid of, and they didn't know what to do with it. And for a while, it was an industrial lubricant. And then uh, can't remember the name of the guy. It was a German uh, German biochemist, I think, and he figured out how to partially hydrogenate. Heinrich Himmler, mm-hmm. I uh, believe so. I, well, I don't know if it's Himmler, but I can't remember the guy's name. But uh, so then they figured out how to do it. And they they said, well, now you can eat that stuff. And then we saw back in the, in the early 1920s, I think Procter and Gamble uh, bequeathed millions of dollars on the American Heart Association to start promoting Crisco, and you know whether that was a good thing or not. I think it's debatable. But. So, I, so now I've been on this diet for. I want to talk a little bit about the anti-inflammatory right. effects stuff because I'm I'm con, I, I'm hypothesizing and not theorizing. I'm only hypothesizing that the the major effect of this diet is it's probably the most efficacious diet for leaning out central obesity uh, in, in terms of if, in terms of 
doing it. Not necessarily, not that there are better ways to do it, but in terms of sustaining it. Most diets aren't sustainable, right? This is a highly sustainable diet. The well, it can diet. be. I mean, you I know, mean, like or, or at said, least keto or whatever. That whole zone, it, you're not hungry, so right, it's much more. Right, e- it's much right. easier to sustain it. And I have found personally that that this this inflammatory agent, mm-hmm. agent I'm pointing at my abdomen, is successfully reduced and sustained down in a way I've never seen from other diets. And we know this is an inflammatory right, process. Right. And I, I wonder if that's a Certainly, if there are any adverse effects of this, say, on lipid metabolism, the benefits of the anti-inflammatory component vastly outweigh that, it seems to me. Yeah, yeah I think, I, anything with I that think that's, I mean, that, that concept, that point of what are the risk factors, and you got to put them all together. Right? Well, you know, yeah. we, we can make a diversion into, into risk of colon cancer, because yeah. I think that's an important topic. But with, with the meat. Yeah. yeah, sure. But I mean, absolutely. Um, one of the things that occurs, you know, if you're hungry all the time, you're going to cave. You're going to yeah. eat, you're gonna you're eat. Gonna eat yeah. the cupcakes. Yeah. You're going to eat whatever's in yeah. front of you because yeah. it's, it's ubiquitous. Yeah. So everything, we, we, we're always around surrounded by stuff. So, you know, you can say, I'm, I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat whatever's in front of me. One of the things we know about a carnivore diet is it's higher in protein. Protein, even the people that are diehard calories in, calories out people. You know, I had a debate with a guy named Lane Norton. Oh, know, we had Lane on the show. On, yeah. on, well, I had, you know, we and him kind of had a little debate on Mark Bell's podcast, mm-hmm. and we talked about that. And we said, look, everyone agrees that if you eat a higher protein diet, that gives you a little bit of a caloric advantage. You can eat, you know, there's some studies show two, 300 calories extra a day without any additional weight gain. In fact, a guy named Jose Antonio, who's a, who I'm going to have on my podcast too, is a researcher has shown that he's had – uh, people on the show on on his in his studies where they took 200 grams a day extra protein and that's you know 800 calories extra a day gained no additional weight gained no additional body fat they, they preserve more lean lean muscle right. masses so the protein alone effect you know allows you to eat more so if you can eat more then that's that's a good thing but then the question is are carbohydrates uh, you know, being low carb, does that have a difference? That's very debatable. Of course, uh, David Ludwig's study out of Harvard just came out in, in November. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. They showed that people, this is a $12 million one-year study that they did, one of, the, one of the biggest ones ever attempted. They showed that people that were on a low-carb diet enjoyed about a 200-calorie or as much as a 400-calorie, depending on their insulin set. If they're very hyperinsulinemic, a 400-calorie benefit from going low-carb. And so that's at maintenance. So it does, you know, You're talking about, let me just make qualify, 400 calories above your metabolic demands? You could eat four, you could stay weight stable on yeah. 400 extra calories. Extra calories, above First, what you, you but your metabo- basic metabolic Well, basically are. compared to somebody who's on a high carb diet. Yeah, Those yeah, people yeah. can only had to eat 400 well, calories that, less. That fits intuitively what I experienced What you're seeing, with this. right. Yeah. And a lot of people, However, I routinely eat about a thousand calories more than I should at protein. That's a diff- different problem. But, well, you know, but it's, but it's routinely part of my issue. It is a problem, but it's one that I wanted to bring up. Um, when uh, and I, I I don't know about what your take would be on it, uh, Doctor Baker. But for me, if I'm advocating for someone to engage in a lower carb diet, mm-hmm. I would like to see them choose fattier cuts of meat uh, as opposed to to leaner cuts. And with that said, it, wouldn't it be you're very talking about to help them with appetite? It just yeah, and satiety, and uh, you know. But now you're getting to very low carbohydrate diets and ketosis, right? Either way, well, what what is Doctor Baker following? I mean, well, where he's a well, zero but he, carb but he was just talking about low carbohydrate at this point, right? Sure, sure. So I mean, I'm just saying, wouldn't with that said though, if you uh, a guy like you eating three pounds of meat in a day, right, for sure. sometimes more, right? right. Is there a, how how is there not a risk of being hypo hypercaloric when you're eating such uh, uh, calorically dense items? Well, I mean, there are people on this diet that can actually gain weight and gain body fat. I've mm-hmm. certainly seen it. It's not like it's you know unlimited. All you can eat buffet all right. the time, but. 
for most people, the satiety signal is pretty great. It's tough to eat three, four, five pounds of meat a day. I mean, right. it really is. I mean, I've done it and I can do that. When I, when I really want to, if I want to gain weight, I'll do that and I'll have to eat past the point. You know, like when you're bodybuilding, sure. you got to eat eating. You look at these top strongman guys. Oh, they eating all day. Eating is painful for them. They got to really constantly is. stuff their face to put on muscle. It's hard to do. I, I've often said, when it comes to elite level strength sports, whether it be bodybuilding, whether it be powerlifting, strongman, when you're talking about elite level, um, the training is a very small issue because every we all, everyone listening to this podcast, everyone in this room, we all like to train. Yeah, training's fun. Yeah, training's fun. Yeah, that's it's the fun, fun part, part of the day. Yeah, it's can you have twelve meals a day? Um, take the Tupperware with you everywhere you go. I mean, that's the re- that's what separates the proverbial men from the boys in elite in elite strength sports. You know, afford it. What's that? Well, yeah, yeah that's, that's an issue. That's yeah. your job, though. Yeah. I mean, if that's your job, you it better. is my yeah. job. I make a lot of bacon around here. Good making some bacon. That's Doctor yeah. Drew's. That's Doctor Drew's personal chef over there. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, the, the next question I wanted to get to, um, because I think you brought up a good point. Not only is, uh, it very difficult to overeat meat alone in comparison to other hyper palatable things like bread and rice and things. Um, I, I found with exclusively with carnivore, aside from other ketogenic diets, there's something magical that happens with carnivore only athletes. That other keto athletes I've seen, and this is this is just me anecdotally. Um, I I train with countless guys in um, jujitsu, muay thai, um, sometimes in CrossFit, things like that, that have tried a ketogenic diet and have failed because they just don't have the glycolytic capacity to do anaerobic things. Wait, but wait, you, wait, wait, wait. What what lets them know that they've failed? They literally cannot do it. Like do what? You, what is it they want to do? You get on a C2 rower and go and sprint on it. You run up a hill fast. You throw a punch. They should be able to keep doing that. It, it, it seems it seems very difficult. In given, Can they take a little bit of carbohydrate before training? That's what that's what lower-carb athletes do yeah. is they, they eat their carbs around training. Sure. I'm talking about a, a ketogenic Full diet. ketosis. A ketogenic diet for a, a, an athlete, not, a, not an endurance athlete, not right. just a powerlifter, right. someone who does stuff fast. They seem to have problems doing that. But there's countless carnivore dieters that I've seen flourish in things like Yourself with the C2 rower, BJJ athletes. Um, you have a now a New Zealand All Black athlete that is, you yeah, know, Owen Franks. Yeah, he's that, doing it. He's and and that's that's yeah. an incredibly anaerobically demanding sport. That's not just slight jogging. You're sprinting a lot, and he seems to be able to not only manage it but again flourish. But um, maybe that's because they're eating above their metabolic demands, and that's being some of that's being converted to glucose. Right. Well, I think I think you know two things with with this. Traditionally, a ketogenic diet, people have been told to really limit their protein. It's okay. really, really limit the protein. I think they're for athletes. That's probably not enough protein. I okay. think you know certainly you know as we get older, just as a normal, a, a normal human being, we need upper protein levels. I know there's people that will debate about that, but I think that's pretty. Clear. I, I'm gonna tell you, I, I'm not much about you know. I've always been very skeptical of enhancing uh, your immune function, but. Mike will tell you in terms of increasing my protein intake. I used to be more in sort of plant based, more intermittent fasting. How many times a year would I get sick? 
Um, seven, yeah. eight. I've not been sick once since uh, I started this. Thing. Yeah, there was a. Uh, and so uh, maybe it's that I was suppressing my immune system before, and now I'm normalized. Whatever, it's better. It's just better. There was a. It was kind of an informal survey done in in the UK, and they found that people on a plant based diet were sick twice as often as, as other people. No, that's not pure no. science, but it was out there. But you know, back to the point about the athletics. Um, you know, I think the higher protein is just supports the muscular activity, but I think it also probably lends itself to more more efficient gluconeogenesis, which I then think think allows you to restore your glycogen uh, stores more gotcha. more effectively. Gotcha. I think and there's a happening. there's an amino acid glucose transfer too, right? Uh, alanine can go right straight to glucose, can it? Something like that. Leucine. Leucine, leucine. Well, leucine yeah. is important for muscle building, but I mean, there are a number of gluconeogenic. Uh, Not just gluconeogenic, but there's one thing, there's a tr- like a carbon that transfer that goes there. Yeah, straight I over. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I can't I don't remember. remember that either, yeah. quite, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, I think there is uh, a dip because I was on a ketogenic diet for about two and a half years before I started this, and I noted. You know, just a significant improvement. In Did you fall into this? Did you just kind of, I forget how it happened. Well, I mean, I, I just was just reading and just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I was very interested in athletic performance and said, you know, what 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 have, what have people done? And then I just kind of found a couple pieces together. Some people have been doing it for decades and doing well. And I started reading some of the old, about some of the older athletes that would do this stuff. And, uh, you know, if you go back prior to, you know, the 1950s, I mean, that was, it was pretty well believed back then that a high meat diet was, the key to athleticism and you know probably for a reason that's what yeah. they discovered back then until we you know went in the 19 late 60s when the when the scandinavians started getting into the carbo loading where, where that science came from yeah my dad i I'll, you know this is again just a uh there's no scientific research here but this is just you know a, a, a interesting story my father um was a business consultant uh, in accounting for for many years but one of his um biggest clients was the uh the ioc the olympic mm-hmm. committee so he would very, work very closely with Olympic athletes uh, every four years. For 30 years, my dad was doing that. And he always found it so strange that in, uh, when he was a you know, college athlete and then uh, and his father, who was an athletic coach, my grandfather, before a big boxing match, before a basketball game – in the 1940s and 50s, everybody would try to find a nice steak for you to eat, and they would try to load you up on a nice steak. And my dad said there was this radical change he noticed with the Olympic athletes around 1980, where then there was this carbo loading became an issue, and it, and it was a light switch. You know, you watch these athletes going from trying to make sure that they had healthy amino acid delivery to let's eat our un, uh, unsauced pasta. <laughs> bowls of it you know before our competition it was a it was just like he said like a, an immediate shift <laughs> yeah that was again that was based out of the scandinavian research in the 60s you know there's a guy now i think his name is art shrub who uh, just before the turn of the century around the late late 1800s had every running world record from like 100 meters up to up to like i think it was a 10 mile run or a 10,000 meter run i can't remember what it was but he owned all those and he was almost on a strict carnivore diet you know back then he was dominating the world at that point and you know that's 100 years ago but still it's it's kind of interesting. Let's take okay. a real quick break. We're here with Dr. Sean Baker. If you or someone you care about is dealing with addiction, you know that finding a treatment option that works for you can be extremely frustrating. The truth is, every patient's needs are different and constantly evolving. The people behind True Recovery in Orange County, California, realize that effective care can't be one size fits all. This is why they've developed a comprehensive range of treatments that can address all facets of drug and alcohol addiction. 
True Recovery's master level clinicians maintain small caseloads, allowing them to truly personalize their care. They offer individualized treatment plans from resident to outpatient, always with a holistic approach and a focus on accountability. As patients become ready, True Recovery offers assistance with life and coping skills, school and vocational coordination, as well as community reintegration support. I've spoken with True Recovery's medical director and was impressed with their range of therapeutic modalities and psychiatric services. Their experienced team is well-equipped to manage patients at all levels of care. To request information on how True Recovery can provide you the personalized care you need, go to drdrew.com slash true. That's drdrew.com slash T-R-U-E. Welcome back to the Swole Patrol podcast. I am Mike Cathwood, Dr. Drew Pinsky here, of course, our guest today, a much-talked-about man in the world of nutrition right now. He is the forefather of the carnivore diet, Mr. Uh, <laughs> you Dr. Think you're a forefather? He really is. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, anybody know. who knows anything about carnivore, if you, yeah. even if you hear anything about yeah, it, your name, name will come up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely one of the vocal proponents, but this goes back to, you know, Dr. Salisbury in the 1860s was promoting this. Dr. Salisbury steak, he was, it has got his name on that, and there were guys like Blake Donaldson. You know, he's got a book called Strong Medicine. You read that. It's it's kind of offensive by today's terms because he uses some impolite word. Well, you guys might like this. He, stuff, he, mo- he mostly refers to women as cunts, which is, well, I found, no, I I found that <laughs> I found that completely inappropriate in a medical journal. Good for you, Mike. In a medical book. I'm glad you were sensitive but to there, that. But there's been several. I'm not, you know, certainly there's been a lot of people that have, that have talked about this for years. And probably the the, the inventor of the, the carnivore diet was some australopithecine from three right, million years of ago. Course. I mean, this yeah. is where it comes from. Yeah, you're probably just stripping meat. Is there anything coming off Facebook in terms of questions? Well, Glenn Watson wants to know uh, what your favorite arm workout is, and he put three Who's? three fires next to it. Mine or John's? it's got to be for both no, of you two. Uh, I got this, <laughs> I got these pipe cleaners over here. You two both have the, the gigantic. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're probably Somebody like me. Is your it, arms, uh, arms just it just is just a genetic thing. I, I do six sets max a yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes I'll I'll run the rack on some biceps curls, yeah. and I'll start with like 90s and work my ways down to 50s. I, I or like, like that. But. I like very concentrated. Yeah. Lift Lifting, yeah. and so that's a very contrary lift. So it feels good. I like it, um, but I don't do much of it. I don't do much. Of yeah, it I don't do. I don't do too much of that stuff. I, most of my stuff is a lot of functional type stuff: rowing, jumping, sprinting, throwing medicine balls. I See, mean, these yeah. guys got me into the heavier lifting again. Yeah. The, the yeah. deadlifts. Yeah. No, that's important. I mean, you know, that's that's your metabolic capital going forward. Oh, you know, you're you an orthopedist. To... You can look at my shoulder for me. Look at that. Enough want, about Doctor Drew's you personal to, needs. No, we do this on the air because I got a shoulder issue. Man, it, it is. It's not good. I, I thought it was a rotator cuff to start with. No, I need an orthopedist. <laughs> and, do you want to look at it? Well, speaking yeah, I mean, yeah. speaking we can, we can of Dr. Drew's personal, Dr. Drew's no, no. personal problems, <laughs> sure. Uh, since he's adopted an almost carnivore diet, I mean, right. you, pretty much. You, eat, t- t- you know what? I feel best when I'm actually on the carnivore. How much diet. do you eat? How much do you eat? It's I I I don't have it in me to measure and okay. Oh, that's fine. I, I'm just I'll eat I'll eat a couple eggs in the morning. Sometimes with some meat of some type. Sure. Um, I'll bring some bacon with me. I'll bring some salami with me. I'll bring some ha- a hamburger with me, and that will be the day. And then the evening. What would you say we eat in the evening typically? For a while there was steak, 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 steak. We're gonna. Eat uh, we've sort of done more. I'm tired. Of more steak. yeah, liberalization the last couple of weeks certainly. Uh, I but, cook you pork. Yeah, she, she, pork. she did 20 pounds of pork. Wow. <laughs> we put it into little bags, and I just pull that out and take that to work with me. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to uh, do corned beef next. I just don't have the... I Is that don't... okay, corned beef? Yeah, that's fine. Because yeah, I, mean, I, I want to make corned beef hash. I'll, I eat the uh, on-it uh, elk bars. 
Those oh, are, does on it make elk bar? I don't know. Good one. Okay. Really, very. That is satiating. Yeah, because I think that, that is a satiating okay. expression. That's good. Yeah. And um, you know, when I'm traveling and stuff, I'll just bring that along. And I, I, I just, it's, it's very. You know, I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's not my life. Is this stuff? It's just. Sure. It started well, as an experiment. Sure. He's allowed to eat chicken too, right? You can eat. I mean, yeah, I mean, here's a, here's a, this isn't a, this isn't a religious thing. It's yeah. about finding what works for you. It and was so, at the beginning. He ate nothing but red no, meat. but I mean, you know, I'm, raw but, I mean, but, Well, there's a lot of people eat raw meat too. It's kind of interesting no. in this, but well, but I mean, I think the ultimate you know deal is it's about results. It's you know if you want to contrast, because some people say well, it's just like veganism. I say well, veganism is more ideology based, and it you know it, you you know they, they if but for me you know if you want to eat. 90% carnivore or whatever, you know, I think the point of that is probably, probably humans do well on a, on a, on a meat-based diet. Yep. I mean, well, we he stays our... meat-based. We went on vacation. We yeah. were on a cruise. Sure. And he stuck with it pretty well there, yeah. too. I was Well, surprised. I gained a bunch of weight on that, though. Yeah, but you, find, you know, we drank and you yeah. ate. And yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, but you, you know, kind of, but still you did a lot better than I expected. Well, you, I mean. No, but, I have no problem because I have no problem with it. It's easy. It. I like it. It's easy. I feel great. I like how the, within three days, I felt like 80% better. Yeah. My sleep changed. My, sure. A lot of stuff changed. I was like, I don't want to lose this. And yep. so I've sort of been, that's one of the reasons I've stick with it. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go back. Well, well I mean, you, I mean, it, it gives you a, con- it gives you a baseline and it gives you a contrast. And so, you know, like, yeah. like there's many people, this is an interesting thing. There are many people that do this and probably, I don't know how, how you know, for forever long this goes, and hopefully it'll go for a long time, but people will try it. Many people will do it, and then they'll end up sort of what you're doing. Yeah, they'll be mostly carnivore, yeah. and they'll say, well, I want to have a plate of raspberries, or, you know, I want to have He doesn't you know, this eat fruit. Well, but I mean, yeah, what, 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 doing a lot of vegetables. Yeah. But I mean, do you do you like avocados and stuff like that? Yes. I mean, avocados are fruit, yes. technically. I mean. Yeah, So, I mean, okay. you know, so I, the, the low-sugar fruits. Uh, you know, probably if we think, you know, vegetables is interesting because we, we revere vegetables right now. It's the vegetables are the, we consider them the he panacea. Cheese. Well, cheese is, cheese is okay. Some people, dairy is an issue, but I mean, I think a little bit of cheese probably for most people is fine. But the thing about vegetables is they really didn't come into the human diet significantly until we, 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 we cultivated them, mm-hmm. you know, a few thousand years. And broccoli made it to the, to England, like in the, you know the the mid 1800s got to the US well, in the 1920s you got to remember for the for all of human history essentially we were just trying to get calories in right and vegetables and have none they don't count yeah right so, so what would be what would be the what would be the foraging strategy to eat a bunch of leaves are going to the one they're going to be bitter you know and before they were called probably fairly toxic and there's no calories right and so you know you think about what's going to give me the most calories so i can survive and remember, we lived in in the Pleistocene. You know, in the Pleistocene, it had to be it had to be store, storage was one thing. So bread right. and things like that, you could get you know, and it had to be portability, yeah. right? And then low low uh, mass because you wanted to bring it with you, and then high dense calories. That that was our that's what we had to deal with as humans, right? Well, I mean, that, I mean, that's and know, not infectious, not carrying well, infectious sure, disease. Sure. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons. Kind of interesting if we look at our you know our anatomy or our, our physiology. You know, we have a, we have our our Gastric pH from 1.1 to 1.5, which is even in the animal kingdom, there's even other carnivorous animals that their their pH is higher. It's two. You know, the lower the pH, the more acid there is. And we are on par with uh, hyenas and vultures. And that's because probably when we first started evolving, you know, back maybe, say, three million years ago or whatever you want to say. Foragers. We were probably scavenging, yeah. you know, animals, and they were, they were heavily contaminated with, yeah. with pathogens. And so we have this very acidic stomach to, to deal with that stuff. But, I mean, back to... You know, what was a solution for getting calories back then? And, you know, 
Uh, so vegetables probably weren't around because they were no no calories. You know, fruit you probably would have eaten, you know, periodically where it was, depending where you were. And now remember, humans colonized the earth, and but, so but you wouldn't store it; you just eat it off. No, the tree. you eat, you eat yeah. off the tree. You yeah. might, you know, you might carry a little bit with yeah. you. But I mean, you basically eat a tree. But I mean, you know, we live in this time. So it's interesting. There's a, there's a professor, Felisa Smith, at the University of New Mexico, who did a survey of the size of animals. So if we look at if we take all the animals in the world, all the all the terrestrial animals in the world and mammals, and add them up. And say, what's the average size? Like I take the elephants and the elks and the buffalo and the deer and the mice and the cats and the dogs and all the little all the animals in the world. Mammals. The average average size of a mammal today yeah. is about twenty pounds. Yeah. Say, a hundred thousand years ago, the average size of a mammal was eleven hundred pounds. So oh, we during had, the ice age, during the Pleistocene. Yeah. So we had that just roaming giant, vast yeah. giant animals everywhere, yeah. and humans are ext- were extremely. You know, one of the, the main target is kind of sad because our main target were, were uh, Propsidian animals, so, so the big elephants, the uh, the mammoths. And, you know, Homo erectus, which was around for about 1.8 million years, they were one of our predecessors, figured out how to kill these animals. And they did very, just with a, with, a, with a spear. I had a really interesting anthropologist, Mickey Bendor, on the podcast. He's out of Tel Aviv. And, you know, it's very easy for humans to kill elephants. Not hard at all. Even with just a blunt, you know, just a regular... Plain old spear, not even yeah. a not even a bow and arrow. So they were they were eating mammoths at will. Basically, their studies said they could just do it at will. And so, what's a mammoth meat? Yeah, I know. Sounds well, but and it was very fatty. So that's why a lot of people yeah. end up gravitating to these fattier cuts of meat, huh. just because there's more satiety. I think that's what we probably huh. prioritize. I mean, you know, you think about it. Am I going to chase a bunch of chickens around and get some lean chicken breast, or am I going to kill one mammoth? You know, how many chickens do I have to kill yeah. with a spear? And all, the only technology I have is a spear. So it's like kill a mammoth, maybe get some fruits. The underground storage organisms like the uh, you know the roots and Potatoes. the tubers yeah. they were very starchy. They weren't very starchy. They were very fibrous back, back then. then. Right. So you wouldn't have gotten much nutrition out of those either. So you might have you might have done some of that, but I think the majority of it was you know just big fat animals. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about plant based diet. Sure. There. You know, so our our cardiac colleagues right. are totally. Invested. Many of them do. Yeah, pretty some, much. Yeah, mo- I'd say a large percent of them. So, yeah. like, if I had a heart attack, I'd be I'd be put on a plant based diet, right? I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't do that these days. My, my let's hope I, that doesn't happen. Uh, well, see, I have a bad family history. I heard I, yeah, you got you've got yeah, large vessel disease, large right? vessel yeah, disease, right. and so I worry about this stuff all sure, the time. Sure. And, and I, I'm and that's why I'm not coming off a of statin, sure, because I I feel like I'm doing something that way. And and my LDL has been you know one ten, one thirty in that mm-hmm. zone with a low L HDL forever. Now, now you're but now you've got a better ratio. I got a much better yeah. ratio right now, both with this diet and with the statin. What about what about like uh, high sensitivity C reactive protein? Is that down or do you have you checked my that? CRP? Uh, I have not checked that recently. It's never been up, okay. but I, but I but that's this. That's Please you know yeah, I, I have met, I have metabolic syndrome. Right, sure. So I, so if this is down, I'm sure that's yeah, down too. I'm sure. putting it in my yeah, diet. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, so so if if I had a high CRP, I I have, I have a calcium score of zero. Coronary yeah, me, calcium yeah, me score. too. Yeah, me too. Right, which yeah. is mind-blowing to me right, but i right. got on a statin very very early because right, i was sure. worried about all this stuff sure. um so balancing these concerns out now here i am 10 months into a carnivore diet how do i how do i i, I would be more worried if i were 30 on this diet obviously sure, and trying sure. to stay on it for 40 years as opposed to at 60 like i am now right. thinking eh, am i going to stay on it 10 years or not how do i how do i really make a, do that risk assessment well i mean you know again 
if we look at all the risk factors for cardiovascular disease, yeah. I mean, LDL cholesterol is one risk factor. Yeah, I understand. And, and it's not all, it's not the whole, I mean, there are, there are some people out there that will say it is causative. I think that's controversial. It, it, it's weird. It was, I just did the MKSAP, you know, we, as internists, we do these update um, medical education things every three years and they ju- they had it. It's it's bizarre how the pendulum swings back and forth. The last one I just completed, big pushing aside LDL, making sure we assessed all the other right, risk factors. Sure. Now all of a sudden LDL is up front again. Is it interesting? <laughs> I, mean, like, I think there's, there's something called the MISA calculator. I think it's called the multiple epidemiology, yeah, uh, atherosclerotic uh, assessment or something like right. that. But that one includes a CAC scan because you've got your coronary artery calcium scan, which is a big part of the picture. So you, yep. you know what's going on, or at least you have a pretty good idea. Do you know what that is? Do we need to explain what that is? A CAC scan? Cor- a coronary artery scan calcium. Scan my CAC. Yeah, well, that's it. yeah, that's it. Maybe, maybe you get one of those. But it's a coronary go, artery Mike. calcium scan, and so it's a, it's a CT scan, yeah. x-rays, and it shows you any, if any calcification, calcification is synonymous with something, you know, so, some endothelial right. something. There's, yeah. there's okay. some calcium in the, yeah. in the vessel that's part of a late stage atherosclerosis. Yeah. And so if it's zero, you, it puts you on a very low risk yeah. list strata for, for future cardiac I should redo it. was about four years ago. I last did one. So we have a question. Yeah. Uh, what do you use for digestive purposes? I don't understand what that means. What what kind of like you know? Oh, this is a good example. Fiber. I, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah. So, so, so I don't so, eat any fiber. So I I do. Yeah, I, sure, I just yeah, eat yeah, sil- right, sure. a psyllium husk. Sure, uh, sure. And what when people go, oh, there's no fiber in a carnivore right, diet. Sure. So fine, I take psyllium husk. Right, right. Now there is. Don't you take metamucil too? That's psyllium that's husk. Psyllium. Oh. <laughs> Why do people get all worked up about that? Well, I mean, to me, that's bizarre. Well, I mean, there's there's obvious. But this is the colon cancer story now. Well, it's not. Maybe it, it's part of the colon yeah. cancer story. Yeah. But I mean, it's more that you know, fiber has really since about the 1960s, since Dr. Dennis Burkett came back from Africa and saw Africans ate more fiber and had less heart disease. So therefore, you know, Yudkin Yudkin made the same observation that they eat less sugar. But it was like, well, they eat more fiber. Don't worry about the sugar. Yeah, this is this is the concern when people make dietary observations. Right, right. So it's like, well, it must be obviously it's eat more fiber, and therefore fiber is good for us. And then we look at the epidemiology studies, and and, and people that eat more fiber, you know, usually via things like vegetables and, and stuff like that, tend to eat less junk. I mean, if you're eating a bunch of fiber in your diet, you're probably eating less donuts. I mean, that's just the way it works. And so we've got again this epidemiology that shows that people that eat more fiber have less heart disease, have less cancer, live longer, so on and so forth. So we make this proclamation, well, therefore, they, we need to have fiber. You know, fiber is completely indigestible by humans. We, well, actually, no mammals can do it. In fact, there's very few animals. It's, it, bacteria are the only things that can di- digest cellulose. And so okay. even termites, can't. they have to have bacteria to help them do cows that. Don't, cows don't do that? Cows can't. Cows depend upon a rumen which is filled with microbiota, uh, or, or with bacteria. And so... That's why they can do it. They're very fit, and that's why they've got this four four chambered stomach. Yep. But, but we can't digest it. In fact, our fermentative capacity, if we look at comparative animals between humans and other animals, it aligns very closely with cats and dogs. About fifteen to seventeen percent of our digestive capacity is, is is available for fermentation, which would be the cecum and the colon, and that's almost identical to what cats and dogs are. And cats and dogs generally eat a pretty much of a you know a not a plant based diet for the most part. Um, but fiber, you know, again. All this epidemiology, which I believe, and I think a lot of people find this, is not particularly helpful, saying that you should eat fiber. But there are some, you know, there are some studies out there that will show that if you eat a fi- fiber in your diet, you'll have less blood glucose excursion, which makes sense. If you eat an apple versus drinking a big j- bunch of uh, apple juice, you'll have a, a less of a blood glucose swing, which is a good thing. Now, on a carnivorous diet, your blood glucose doesn't really go up because right. you're not, you're not. So that, so that's kind of a moot point. The other thing is, in some studies, it shows that it reduces cholesterol, and so again, that's 
you know, maybe that's a benefit. Maybe it's not. That's contentious. We do know that you know there's, there's a lot of again again there's associational studies showing that if your cholesterol is low, particularly after a certain age, it's associated with higher risk for all cause mortality, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, colon and cancer. So, yeah, colon cancer. Yeah, all those things. And colon cancer. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think the uh, bald in fact, wait, say that again. So, so if you get after a certain age, like yeah. I think it's like fifties or yeah. sixty. The lower your cholesterol is, the higher risk is you are to die of all causes, to have cancer, to have neurodegenerative diseases and infectious diseases. Oh. So cholesterol is not cholesterol is there for a reason. It's not like we make this molecule to so kill what, us. What would be a normal or good cholesterol at over fifty? Uh, you know, it's. I mean, the studies on there show something up to about two forty. You know, for total cholesterol, it used to be two forty. Used low? to be. In that, in that, those original studies, it was an LDL below one fifty or below back then. Yeah, now they want it, now they want it below hundred. Yeah, you know, and so it's, it's so I beg your pardon. I, I, the LDL were very low, like sixty or fifty. They were super low that they started seeing the colon cancer risk go up. Okay, yeah, yeah. super yeah. super low. Yeah, sure. Um, but, so, but some people say it's reverse causation. They'll say, well, you already have cancer, and that's why your cholesterol is getting used up. But there was a there was a recent study. It was a twenty. But do you have to have the gene too? And, well, that? there's probably a lot of things going. On. Again, this is this is the problem that people have, and in, in, we, we become very myopic on focusing on one biomarker. And the problem is we're complex systems. In human beings, you can't just say, "Wow, your your LDL cholesterol is high, therefore you're you're at risk for heart disease." No, you have to say, "What was my coronary artery calcium scan? What's my uh, you know what's my insulin status? You know, am I diabetic? Do I have diabetic pathophysiology? What's my level of inflammation?" What do my triglycerides and HDL look like? I mean, there's, you know, what is my visceral fat load? What is my exercise capacity? What does my lean muscle mass look like? All of those things together are what you got to look at. So you can't just pull one risk factor up because you could say, okay, well, I can lower my cholesterol by going on a plant-based diet, but guess what? My triglycerides may go up higher. Guess right. what? I may lose muscle mass. Guess what? I may gain visceral body fat. Right. I may, you know. So th- I think the so visceral body fat is a. Key. I think that's well, bigger, important. A bigger yeah, well, deal well, than sure. we know. No, it, it sure that's is. That's my my sure sense is. of it is as somebody yeah, yeah. who goes up and down with that stuff. Right. Sure. You, know? you feel better. Yeah. I mean, it's inflammatory, and this yep. is interesting. This is just an aside, but we know. I think Stephen Guillenay had a had a nice paper in 2015 that shows. Again, this is back to the seed oil stuff that. Americans over the last 50 years have seen something like a, I don't know, like a 40% increase in their own body fat concentrations of omega-6 uh, fatty acids, which we get from all these, you know, yeah. you know, soybean oil and, and safflower oil and corn oil that we've been eating for years and years. And it sits around in our tissues and it stays in there for several years. And that's why a lot of people on this, on this diet or other diets will notice they continue to get better. Like I'm still getting better two years over two years oh, into that's it. Crazy. I still feel better, probably because I'm finally just turning over that that crappy old and, soybean oil and, and I had in my body. And that inflammatory piece again, like guys like Jordan Peterson have been on this diet. His daughter's on it. A claim right. resolution of what he is. I don't, you know we don't know what's going on there, but being called rheumatoid arthritis, his osteoarthritis. Are you, you're a joint doctor. Do mm-hmm. you are you seeing lots of absolutely, there? absolutely. I, you know there are. Three. I, I have not had that. I gotta say. Well, that's you're gonna fix my shoulder. Well, we'll today. see. We'll see if we can do that. <laughs> there are. Um, you know, you know, and I've just been collecting, compiling all these antidotes and, and categorizing them by. If you go to meatheals.com, you can look up, you can you can type in arthritis, and it'll show you everybody that's had arthritis. It goes away, but joint pain, uh, digestive problems, and mood, which is in your area, are the three mood, biggest things. Mood, I've seen improvement. Sleep yeah, and improvement. Yeah. yeah. Um, energy less improvement, snoring. less snoring, less snoring. So, yeah, sure. But that's probably that, 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 that's because well, this is gone, right? That, helps you, that, that helps you sleep better, and, yeah. and you guys feel better. But but yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen 
uh, joint pain and, and not only things Good like inflammatory. Well, there you right, go. Sex drive Good up. for you. That's I mean, and yeah. again, that we we joke about that, but I mean, it's an extremely important indicator of health. Yeah. I mean, if if everything's working. You know, in that regard, then then that's a good 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 sign. It's helpful you know? after prostate cancer. Too. No, that's yeah, very I'm good. A, I'm a, I, I'm yeah, I heard. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He yeah. doesn't shoot loads. <laughs> I have no prostate. <laughs> yeah. Mike's Mike's enamored with that. The goodness. ladies dream of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> goodness. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a real divide between men and women because men dream of fire hoses, <laughs> and women are like, can, is there any way this can not come out at yeah, all? Yeah. This, can we get rid of this prostate <laughs> yeah. thing? Goodness, goodness. That, that's I don't know. Maybe people will be advocating for that pretty soon. Uh, it might be it's, yeah, it's removal. A Me too movement. Yeah. Part of it. Goodness, goodness. This will be a Me too removement. You know, but back <laughs> you know back to the uh, I think you know we're ta- too. when we're talking yeah. about uh, HDL's up when we talk about visceral adiposity. Yeah. You know, that's that's either you know the, the yeah. central central obesity, but more importantly, the, the fat that sits around the pancreas and the liver and so on and so forth and the omentum. You know that when we talk about colon cancer, because 2015 World Health Organization says you know red meat, processed meat, you know class one, class two carcinogen, you know relative risk seventeen percent, eighteen percent. You know, which you know, it sounds kind of scary. But I mean, if you look at the absolute numbers, absolute risk, you know, lifetime risk for colon cancer, four percent. Now it goes up to five percent if you eat meat versus not eating meat. Okay, so that's like, well, that's a risk factor, sure. If you have the genetics. Well, but here's the more important thing: what else puts you at risk for colon cancer? So visceral adiposity. You know, if you look at the studies on that, that's something like. 300 400 percent relative risk increase so that that that, that, that alone just right minimizes that's what that. i keep saying that's what I, that's been my sort of mantra about <laughs> right. this diet i mean since we last talked that's been the piece i've been sure, saying which sure. is a, i have a feeling my instinct is that that visceral adiposity removing that has sure. so much benefit that it outweighs, it outweighs substantially the other stuff absolutely, the other stuff. absolutely. and, and I think- there's there's something that uh, Susan's alluding to, which is you can you can now test for some of these cancer risk genes, mm-hmm. and so it turns out I have an, what's called an MSH six color dot com, which is yeah, it's a place called color dot com. You go, you spit in the thing, mm-hmm. and for two hundred bucks, they'll do the thirty things that are like BRCA from many other different. Right. So I have a Lynch syndrome. It turns out, which if remember remember we used to, in medical school where they call it polyposis. Okay, remember right. like and, right. and so it turns out there's six variants on that, and they all carry more or less risk for colon cancer. And guess how you get rid of the risk. Or, or you you manage the risk, heavier screening. So yeah. now my screening's done every year, as yeah. opposed to every three years. And guess what? Now it's back to where everyone else's risk is. So all these things, like the five percent, you know, mm-hmm. from four percent versus five percent, this is all stuff to be taken into consideration when you're planning out your screening procedures. Doesn't mean you should necessarily avoid a certain diet because of that risk, right? Right? Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. It does. You know, but, we yeah. eat a lot of red meat in my family. Yeah, At I mean, there's, once, you know, there, once a week. there is, Lots of bacon. it's kind of, this is interesting. So if we look at, and this is, this is something, 2018, no the study came out of Asia, looking at all the epidemiological, all the epidemiologic studies in Asia. Asia is not a small place, right? How many people live in Asia? 4.5 billion people. Most of the people on the planet live in Asia. When you look at Asians and you look at red meat or processed meat, doesn't matter how it's cooked, whether it's eaten raw, cooked, you know, cooked, burnt, seared, whatever. There is zero association <laughs> with colon cancer in Asians, in yeah. Asia. So the question is, but okay, they have more well, stomach cancer though. They might have more stomach cancer, yeah. but they don't. But have, they the colon think cancer, that's the smoked fish. It could that's be. It could be think, something yeah. else. But I mean, as far as colorectal cancer, and that's what that's the boogeyman for yeah. for eating red for meat. Yep. Is it only occurs in Western societies, and so so maybe there's something else. Well, then you say, what about the? What is maybe it's a genetic thing that Asians have? Well, guess what happens when gen, when Asians move to the U.S. They, they get the they get risk. the same amount of colon cancer yeah. as everybody else. The yeah. risk goes way up. So it's not, in my view, it's not the red meat. It's the the French fries. It's the Coke. 
right. stuff that goes with that. Well, and we do know a that lot of vegetables this too. is Kate Shanahan's thing. The right. kinds of fats we're using right now, the fryer foods in and whatnot, are absolutely carcinogenic right. for sure. Absolutely. I agree with and, that. And yeah. so, and this is back to the seed oil thing too, right. which is also adding to that risk. So here we are. <laughs> it's yeah. complicated. It's complicated. That's the bottom line. Well, and, and you know, again, so that's why people get when the people get sort of crazy about it. I think. Well, well it's, it's, you know what bothers me is when people get crazy about it who have absolutely zero scientific training. Well, that's and the they other. just start spracking off at the mouth, and I and I and I who have zero scientific training know enough to know that I don't know. So that I look at them and I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, like, he, shut the fuck up with your claim that. <laughs> You know, meat isn't nutritious. It's devoid of. It's well, like, I what mean, do you it's, know? It's obviously nutritious. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, the, in my view, it's the most nutritious thing on the planet. But I mean, you know, but, it's, but speaking of scientific training, I mean, you know, I think Dr. Drew and I will, will admit we don't know it all. I mean, there's yeah. so well, much we this, don't this know. This is the point. We're, we're actually not even making a scientific case so much as a building, a, a, I wouldn't say building a narrative, accumulating evidence and thinking it through scientifically. But mm-hmm. this this isn't science. That's, I looked at Kate for the science, and she gets guess what she says? It's too complicated. We can't right, say anything. Sure, sure. And so, so all we can do is try to build an understanding through the available evidence we have and, and be careful in our thinking and not be over – not be overly anecdotal, but also not be overly um, dogmatic about stuff. Right, sure. Just, just like you were saying with the Japanese and their colon cancer risk. Th- there's there's myriad of influences here. And to say one thing is causational as opposed to, hmm, these are associations. Let's try to figure it out. Very different kinds of thinking. Lots of tentacle porn. I think that you know that's we have to factor think. that in with the Japanese. <laughs> that's um, that's over here now. Yeah, is that reduced colon cancer risk? I don't know. I don't know. What is it? Tentacle? <laughs> tentacle? Don't don't don't. don't. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I don't want to open this <laughs> can of worms. Do right? Um, can of tentacles here. Goodness, Doctor Baker. Uh, one thing. Yeah. You tell know, me more about the tentacle porn. No, I'm oh, kidding. You don't want to know. Getting to Doctor Drew um, and his experience. Right. Uh, one thing that I know, I've noticed. Is uh, he a nicer person now? Uh, maybe not. Doctor, a, doctor's always been a damn nice yeah, guy. We don't so spend as much time together, so you wouldn't know anymore. But what, what was? I'm curious what you're observing. Um, you should be asking me that. <laughs> one thing that I notice in your training, Doctor Baker, that I think is missing from a lot of uh, people's training, especially those that are aging, right, um, is the use of explosive uh, movements, uh, well, jumping, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, sure. Um, and I think that. People can benefit greatly, even if they're not uh, competitive athletes, right. from incorporating these movements into their training. Um, would you agree that that is something that I feel like the the uh, above and beyond just lifting heavy weights, there needs to be some type of explosive movement to and, keep and, the and body young. Please define. I'm never sure what you're including in that because sometimes I feel like a, a deadlift is an explosive. explosive. No, Absolutely I mean a deadlift. A deadlift, a deadlift is you know a quick lift would be an Olympic lift. So I mean you know yeah. but as far but as far as I mean I agree to a point. I do think it's important to preserve that. I mean I, I can tell you I can tell you how many people, guys, 45, 50, 60 years old. Pull their bicep off, pop, pop their Achilles tendon. You have to sew them back. You know, is that because they're suddenly starting work? Well, I, no. I think what's happening. I think what's happening is their tissue quality is poor, and I think diet tremendously impacts their tissue quality. In fact, if you look at animal studies, there's something called a, a, a burst point where if animals are fed a certain way, if they eat too much garbage, their tendons start spontaneously bursting. Their fascia huh. starts to burst because huh. of what's what's in their diet. So I think humans are seeing the same thing now. Um, you know, if your diet isn't, is, is good, you know, like, like, you know, unfortunately, you know, whether or not your joints don't hurt, my joints don't really hurt now, you know, I'm 52 and so I'm, but I can still jump and do all those things. And so I continue to do those things. But, 
I do agree that aside from being strong or you know having you know maintaining lean body mass through things like bodybuilding, we should be we should be fit. You know, we should have decent conditioning. We should be able to run and sprint. But doing jumping, you know, and, and so what I do, uh, you know, for lower body it's easy to just jump. I mean, that's that's a pretty way to do that. But for the upper body, it becomes more challenging. So I, I use use a heavy use of medicine balls where I just. I mean, I go in there and I throw them as explosively as possible, and I, and I literally try to break the things. I have broken several of them. Just trying to, I got the gym got mad at me because I was breaking their medicine balls. All the, the, I guess they have metal filings in there, so they're falling too. out all over the place. And so, but uh, yeah, I mean the Olympic lifts. You know, it doesn't have you don't have to get technical and do a snatch. Uh, you know, high pulls. Right. You know, they're just they do the same thing for the most part. Jump shrugs. Uh, you know, uh, jumping rope is, is something that's just a basic athletic skill. And I think that's something that, uh, Cause I, I see that, I see that as being so deficient. I know plenty of guys, you know, uh, working out at gold gym in right. West beach, right. there's 50, plenty yeah. of guys that are 50 plus that right. can lift heavy, right? Sure. sure. But they walk like yeah, Quasimodo right. and, they, and they, and they have move. trouble right. getting upstairs. Right. Sure. And I think that it's just an important, uh, something that I've noticed Almost exclusively uh, in your training, that I think should be used more often, and, and and part of everybody's protocol is these these medicine ball movements, jumping, uh, skipping rope, things that are incorporating movement and and preserving that the, those movement patterns. Well, we got we got you know we got to look at why are we training? Are we training for a bodybuilding competition, or are we training to live? And, and uh, you know, I, I tend to fall more than a lot. I, I you know, my arms are so damn long. I'd never bodybuilt, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that is an important point. Um, but again, we, we'll go to, you know, guys like Ronnie Coleman, you know, Ronnie Coleman, yeah. you know, was arguably one of the greatest bodybuilders ever to live. Right. Easily, yeah. And now he's an invalid. I mean, you know, I mean, he's, he's, well, a lot of them are dead. Well, a lot of them are dead. And stuff. But, you know, yeah. I mean, there's steroids, but then there's the same thing. I mean, you know, I, again, I, it, maybe it's a diet that has an impact, you know, even, uh, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Clarence Bass? I do. Oh yes. So Clarence Bass, you know, both of his hips were placed. Now granted, he's an older guy, but again, you always wonder back, maybe, uh, you know, a high carb diet cause joint joint wear up because that's the one thing that i've seen and, and i don't and i don't necessarily demonize all carbohydrates i don't necessarily think the carbohydrate molecule is a problem i think what it's what it's sort of complex with and so certain foods particularly a lot of our modern modern foods refined grains you know the seed oils all that stuff how that comes that's problematic but for other people it's you know you know, if you, if we look at certain, you know, most plants in the wild will kill you if you eat them. The majority of Absolutely. them, you know, ninety eight percent of the plant material on Earth you cannot eat. Yeah. It will it will make you sick or you'll die. And people are, oh, it's natural, it's natural. Yeah, that's there to defend the plants. Right. But so even, you don't you eat know, it. But even the stuff we, you know, we take like caffeine. You know, caffeine is what is the purpose of caffeine in a plant? It's an insecticide. That's why caffeine exists to, to kill bugs. It's not for your benefit to taste good but i mean but this is a reality of stuff you know people get all excited about drinking their spinach and kale smoothies but i mean there's a lot of oxalates in there oxalates the number one cause of kidney stones are oxalates and so you you got to look at this stuff and say okay there's phytonutrients there's antioxidants but first of all antioxidants probably don't even work exogenous ones they don't certainly if they're vitamins they're they're of no benefit and potentially harmful at least the studies look at that but people are like well i'm gonna get the goji berry i'm gonna get the thing that's full of antioxidants well the human body has its own antioxidant system that we design. We have glutathione, we have you know superoxide dismutase, and all these other powerful antioxidants that work very well for us in, in the amount we're supposed to need. And, and incidentally, on a low carbohydrate diet, your endogenous antioxidants go up, which is something a lot of people don't know that. So if you if you're on a low carbohydrate diet, your glutathione levels will go up. So that, that's that, why I'm that, getting sick. 
Potentially, yeah, potentially. potentially. I mean, we I mean, don't know. You know, there's also there's also some of the role that that, that uh, we think the cholesterol may play a role in, in immune defenses. And that so, makes sense. That makes but sense. But I mean, the point. But back to your point about you know let, let's mitigate all risk factors. And so for you, going on a carnivore or a, or a carnivore style diet has caused your visceral fat to go away. Uh, probably the most important thing. You possibly, arguably, yeah. certainly. Your triglycerides to plummet, your HDL to go up. You know, your LDL is being in, held in check mm-hmm. by a statin. Mm-hmm. So you could say, well, if I didn't have the statin, maybe it would go up. You know, maybe it would double. Perhaps. Who cares? I'm, but, I'm, maybe, I'm on the statin. Maybe, <laughs> but, but maybe, yeah. But that that may be just all you got to do yeah. to mitigate that. Yeah. And so there's quite, you know, but there's people that will say statins cause problems. They oh, cause please. muscle aches. Oh, you know, there's, there's there's I've, I've been there's, on there's, for twelve, yeah. fourteen years. So I mean, it's, you know, they, and by the way, sure. I'm on the half of the lowest dose of Vitorin. Sure. Okay, and it's like nothing. It's nothing. What's yeah. it, what's it you know, I mean, nothing. Right, sure, sure. And it, and it just pounded my cholesterol down. Sure. I, it went from 130 to 70, just boom, just within a few weeks. So, And it may be, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if maybe the diet even makes it that much easier to do that, perhaps. Hard to say. It, it, everything's easier on this diet, that's for sure. That's for sure. Beating off? Eh, it's about the same. <laughs> about the same, okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. He doesn't need to. Okay, so um, somebody wants to know about protein shakes, which we've talked about before. Oh, yeah, on the yeah. show. Sure. Good. And any recommendations for good protein shakes besides blending a piece of meat up? Piece of meat. <laughs> you had the protein bars. You made me look up last time. Yeah, she, I did. She wants to know about shakes. Like, I mean, maybe this is going off the carnivore diet because you have to like add other stuff into it. Well, I mean, you know, the, one of the, I certainly think it's better to get your nutrition from food, you know, and, and, you know, as far as, but I mean, certainly for, if you look at protein digestibility, I mean, the World Health Organization, that's not, sorry, the FAO, the Food and Agriculture Organization is going to adopt uh, a different way to measure protein. They, they used to do something called the Protein Digestibility uh, Index for amino acids, I think, and they're, they're changing that to a new study where they used to look at uh, different proteins, and they capped it at you know 100% or 1.0 was the most you could get. And and what it would do is artificially deflate certain uh, proteins, and and particularly whey protein is probably the most absorbable, uh, digestible, uh, even better than beef uh, product on, on the market from just from a, from from amino acid uh, digestibility and absorbability. You know, we look at they they're, they're changing because they're looking at what they're looking at now is. What makes it to the end of the ileum as opposed to what goes through the colon? Because what's happening in the colon is a lot of the protein is being uh, – the bacteria are contributing to the protein there. And so it's, it's, it's throwing the, the really calculations. You're protein in the colon, are you? Uh, no, not really. But I mean you're, you're – so, but, but I mean what it's doing is it's, it's – Changing cha- it. It's changing their measurements. Yeah. It's not really oh, being what's – because protein is absorbed in the ileum yeah. or in the, in the small intestine, yeah. jejunum, ileum, duodenum, yeah. probably mostly in the distal parts. But – so they're changing it, and they're showing that now animal proteins are even more effective. You know, the best plant protein is probably soy, but soy, soy has its own issues. You know, there's protease inhibitors. Uh, some people don't like the, you I know, heard soy helps you gain weight. Uh, you know, I'm not sure on that one. I, mean, I guess if you ate enough of it. Anything, I heard it's estrogenic. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a knock because it's phytoestrogens and whether, and that's debatable. I mean, there's certainly, there's, there's people that strongly believe it gives you moobs, yeah. you know, man boobs and, you know, all that, all that <laughs> stuff, you know, but, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I do know that, you know, uh, when we've looked at ileostomy patients, soy protein versus beef, uh, we see that soy protein doesn't doesn't get absorbed so as it's much. coming out of the ileum so it's coming out of the ileum getting into the into the into the small into the large intestine and so for the people that say that 
protein causes issues with regard to colon cancer because of protein, you know, cadaverine and putrescine are, are things that are, that are products of protein fermentation and may be problematic. Well, guess what? Soy protein is more likely to do so than beef protein would be. So that, that argument to me, again, becomes kind of silly. All right, we've got to take a quick break. Let's talk about CBD. It's pretty much everywhere today, and it's a topic that I get asked about a lot. My bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims than clinical evidence right now, many people are using it and reporting great results, and that is very, very encouraging. I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD, or cannabidiol, is an extract from hemp. And while you might associate it with marijuana, CBD is the non-psychoactive component of hemp. It's also what's responsible for the calming or relaxing effects many people experience, not the high. Now, about the products. There are a ton of products on the market today. For getting the vast array of reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards, not on hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is clearly described so you can make an informed decision without all the promises that sound way too good to be true. Like I said, the reported benefits of CBD are very compelling, and I'm pretty excited to see how things develop as science catches up with this booming industry. So, if you're ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash select. That's drdrew.com slash S-E-L-E-C-T. For a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with code D-R-D-R-E-W. That's code Dr. Drew. Don't let those dropping temperatures fool you. It's just as easy to get dehydrated in winter as it is in summer. The cool air tends to get us working harder when we're exercising or playing sports, and that's when it happens. Once you fall behind, water and sports drinks simply don't do a good job of getting you rehydrated. I strongly suggest you stay hydrated and stay ahead of the hydration game with Hydrolyte. The best way to stay hydrated is with a proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. And Hydrolyte does this better than anything else I've tried. Everyone here swears by it, and I've been recommending it to all my friends and family for over a year now. Hydrolyte comes in great flavors like orange, berry, and lemonade, and is available as a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or my personal preference, the effervescent tablets you can simply drop into a glass or bottle of water. I literally don't leave home without them. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75% less sugar. Hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. You can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or at Hydrolyte.com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. That's Hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew. For a limited time, listeners can save 30% on Hydrolyte. Just click the banner on DrDrew.com and use code DrDrew18 at checkout. That's Hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew and use code D-R-D-R-E-W-18. Dr. Drew 18. All right, it is the Swole Patrol. Our guest today, Dr. Sean Baker. Go to MeetHeels.com. How do you continue to hold not only i don't want to say hold such a uh a a a good demeanor but i was just thinking the same thing how how do you how do you deal with all the crap online yeah (laughs) because there's a difference between having um a a spirited argument yeah 
and a discussion, which is something that doctors have to deal Listen, with. Listen, there's a weird I, – I deal with it, and I've told you this before. There's religiosity around addiction and addiction treatment too, and I'm not talking about 12-step. I'm just talking about – I've had discussions with psychiatrists where I thought to myself – you're a psychiatrist and you're talking like you're an evangelical Christian about how you approach a patient. It's just we're just having a discussion and this is what we find in diet all over the place. Well, especially with um, vegans, um, <laughs> that you're, you, you take on a tremendous onslaught constantly of people not even questioning you or arguing with you, just talking shit. Do you want to? Do you want to put the 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 licensing thing? Uh, yeah, so, we can talk about that. Yeah, sure, just, sure, just sure. Tell the story. I don't know what it is. But well, well, hold well, a second. Wait, I'm I, sure it's a good story. Why well, do you do shit I'll, on my question? Well, I ask your question, and I'll answer right, that one. Right. But, but I mean, yeah, well, that's the kind of thing he shakes shit about. And I thought oh, it's not an issue for me. Well, I mean, you know, it's you know, it's a six and stones things. I mean, you know, I don't care. I mean, I've been, I, I've had so many things in my life. You know, I've had people shooting at me. You know, I've been. You know, doing war trauma, you know, playing an athlete getting punched in the face. I mean, this stuff is like, uh, you know, some knucklehead behind a keyboard and saying stuff. So it doesn't really bother me much. I do, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, and this is kind of, this is very interesting, it's topical. On January 17th, I don't know if you're familiar with with the organization EAT, E-A-T, and they're they're combining with The Lancet. So EAT is a organization that was just funded by uh, a so this gal, her name is Gundhild Stordelen. She's a Norwe- she's a Norwegian billionaireess. Uh, her husband is a is like a is like a hotel tycoon, and okay. she, she's a vegan. Right. And she has funded this organization, and they are adamantly trying to change the way the planet eats. They really want everyone to go plant based. And, and then this up- is for. This is for impact on the. the this is on a global food supply. For what's for health, it's for for environment and all that yeah. stuff. And, I, and there's a lot of stuff on environment we could talk about if we want, but. So they're launching this campaign on January 17th. They're teaming up with guys like Walter Willett out of Harvard, who is the head of the Harvard T. Chan School, uh, the, yeah, the T. Chan School of, of Nutrition. He's very much in the plant-based camp. And so they're coming out. And so on January 17th, there's going to start this huge, huge anti-meat frenzy. It's going to be all the media. They're buying up gazillions of dollars, you know, all these Beyond Meat companies and Impossible Burgers. They're, they're funding all this stuff. There's just so much money going on. God only knows. I mean, I've had Impossible Burger. They're wonderful, but who knows what? What's in them? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's funny. Be this is interesting because, so here's an interesting. So, so Marco Springman is a uh, researcher out of German. He's a, he's a diehard vegan. He published a study uh, a few months ago saying that, you know, we should tax meat because of, because of the risk of colon cancer. So we should put a tax on meat, and they're, they're proposing like a 34% in, increase tax on meat and like a God. 65% increase on processed meat. Kind of know, our founding fathers just rolling over. Well, but, but, you know, all this is tax everything, tax yeah, everything right. is going to drive people crazy. So that's, that's, that's being but – he, but he published this journal. He, I mean, he published this study in a journal called PLOS, P-L-O-S. P-L-O-S was founded by a guy named uh, – uh, Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown is the CEO of Impossible Foods, so he founded the journal, Perfect. where the vegan is is is, is putting you know the, the data in, and and so and, and and incidentally, in case you don't know this, uh, the World Health Organization, the, the 2015 uh, decree that meat was a, was a uh, carcinogen, the IARC, the International Association for Research on Cancer, out of Lyon, France, one third of the members were vegetarian or vegan on that committee. And, you know, it wasn't a unanimous decision. There were a lot of dissenting votes. And one of the problems was they said, we need to declare our, you know, our, our diet. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We don't think that's, that's relevant. So we've yeah. got this, all this sort of conflicted stuff it's going in science. there. It's not science. not science. So we have, there's a lot of religion. But the point is there's a lot of religion out there. And one of the problems is, and this is one of the things because I, 
I'm certainly not shy about calling what I call bullshit. I said this is this is absolute, and I, and I say that very very frequently. Sometimes I antagonize the vegans just because it's, it's entertaining. Sometimes, but and not that this is this is what's misconstrued. I don't. I am all 100 percent supportive of people adopting a vegan diet if they want to. If that's their personal decision, they should have freedom and choice to do that. Do I think their kids should be on it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, if you want to do that, that's fine. You know, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then you know, don't get too tied up in it and, and do something else. But the problem is, you know, we're seeing these restrictions being, you know, they're, they're talking about taxes on meat. They're talking about restricting it. There are schools where they're sort of enforcing these, right. you know, meatless days, meatless Mondays, meatless Wednesdays. You know, these things are happening. And so I think, you know, again, I, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Certainly I'm, I'm, I'm certainly liable to be wrong. But if we, if, we, if we take this out of the diet and we mandate that, I think we're going in the wrong direction. And basically, we know what happens when you take meat out of the diet. We just, you know, it's not that everybody starts eating beans and lentils and, 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 and uh, kale. What happens is you just eat more processed crap. That's what's right. been happening. When, when animal, you know, if we look at the animal fat consumption over the last 70 years, it's plummeted. At the same time, the processed food consumption has gone up because what happens is you're hungry. When you take animal fat out of your diet, you get hungry. And guess what happens? You're not going to replace it with kale. Kale's not going to fill you up. So what are you going to replace it with? You're going to eat it. You're going to replace it with bars, you know, processed bars or donuts or whatever. And so this is what's going to happen. We're going to go, go more and more. Let's go make a steak right We're going to go more and more processed food. I'm getting very He's hungry. talking about this. I went, I went to In-N-Out on the way on the way here. I had an extra bit of time. I drove up to Rome. <laughs> you, need, uh, you need to make I one of those that. steaks. Do you, like the, do you like the lettuce wrap? I don't eat the lettuce, but I mean, have, no, I just get the, the I just meat. grab the meat. I just tell them, hey, it's cooked me up twelve meat patties. So twelve meat patties. You, but, you, but no, but that's twelve. But in and out's only eight ounce. They're only eighth of an ounce patties. So oh, right. So you order awesome. you order four four by fours or something. Well, it's just twelve. So Wait, eighth of an ounce. No, they're 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 an eighth of a pound. Eighth of a pound. Okay, so they're so, so eight of them make a pound for their so two ounces. <laughs> Yeah, two, two ounces. ounces. So they're, I love so, it. This so they're only. Do you put so anything on it or just. I'd like some salt typically. And oh, I'm not worried about salt. It. But I mean, uh, I don't know if your, if your thoughts about salt. Do you get but, like uh, a Diet Coke or uh, anything? I, I get a water it. typically. Oh, You're I, I don't so worry about salt. pure. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, but, but it's a pound and a half. And yeah. I, you know, and I had a ribeye and six eggs for breakfast. And I'm Atta a boy. I'll have another. Uh, ribeye so, is. Do you like ribeye? Ribeye is. That's the supreme. That's the supreme meat. Well, this is this is this is the thing because again, we were used to hunting these big fatty mammoth animals. Yeah. And that's. What we, we and it's hard to get that now, and so See, that's I why I eat it because it, I always gain weight. If I because I'm not. Oh, somebody asked. You know, yeah. if you're not if you're not lifting weights, is it a good diet? Like, if I'm very sedentary because I work in the tech world and in, media. So most of the people in modern times that have eaten this diet did not come to it from weightlifting. I'm kind of one of the first guys that, that sort of populated as kind of more of an athletic guy. Most of the people that discovered this were friggin' desperate. They were sick wrecks. They had autoimmune diseases, digestive diseases, metabolic syndrome. They were just, and, and they, they banded together and they started figuring this out. And this is how I discovered them. So most of the people that originally started this diet were just sick, out of shape, right, fat people right. didn't exercise. And, and they worked well for them for solving those problems. it work for problems. me if I really went for it? Because I feel like I gain weight when I eat bacon all day. Well, I mean, so again, calories still count they on do. this diet. You can't they just do. say they don't count. But you, you, tend, you tend to get, you know, particularly if you eat a little more higher protein, mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe yeah, not. Don't, don't so, choose bacon. Choose so maybe maybe right, maybe right. T bones or something no, have, like that. I have you know? to have calorie like I can't have more than twelve hundred calories a day or I'll, I won't lose weight. So well, that's it. Why would you want to live on twelve hundred calories a day? Well, 
Well, I but that's I, starvation. But I'm fine. I like it. Well, if you as like long it, as if I, mean, I, if I don't but I mean, eat you carbs, know, but I you got to have muscle. You got to maintain muscle mass. Yeah, 1,200 calories of bacon alone. That's that's, that's like 60, four, six pieces. Sixty grams of. I used of to protein. do that on my birthday every year. When yeah, I was but a kid. I'm saying 1,200 <laughs> grams of sirloin. 1,200 calories of sirloin. That's yeah. That's like a pound. Grams of. That's like a pound of meat there. I mean, that's you're looking at a pound of meat to get 1,200 calories. You just needed to make better choices. No, I just eat white meat. So I mean, I would. Well, I mean, if I were you, I would say I would say eat a pound and a half of red meat a day. I just eat white meat when I'm trying to lose weight. If I I can maintain with yeah. red meat, but I can't I, I can't lose. How do you weight. feel though on white meat? I feel fine. Okay, well that, that I mean, works I for you. Doctor Drew's been delivering the white meat for forty years now. <laughs> hey oh. uh, But there is a really heartwarming per, uh, mention here from Bo, and she said she said I get, Bo maybe a, a guy or I'm not sure, but Doctor Drew Carnivore cured my Lyme disease symptoms, wow. autoimmune after 25 years. Awesome! Yeah. Wow! Awesome! So, so this that, is an, that's a I'd imagine you're seeing good testimonial. results. Testimonial. Another. I would see you probably see a lot of testimonials, positive stuff. And again, you science guys, correct me if I'm out of my league here, but things with like like Crohn's disease and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things. In fact, there's some, there's actually some literature published on Crohn's disease and the carnivore diet. So there's a a group out of Europe called the Paleo Medicina Group, and they've been I think they've put about five thousand people through this, and they've you know they've gotten very good results. You know, well, you're certainly not eating any gluten, and a lot of them complain. Right? They yeah, report they have gluten you know, improvements. Yeah, so. I mean it's a, it's a, it's a very good elimination yeah. diet. There's people who talk about that, but there. But uh, think, and again, this is another. You know, if we look at risks for colon cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, huge risk. I mean, it increases your risk by like three thousand percent if you have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, and so. What I'm seeing very commonly is people go on this diet and their ulcerative colitis goes away, their Crohn's disease mm. goes away, which is mm. remarkable. Crazy, yeah. And so, I mean, and it may take them six months or something like that, but that is something that it is crazy. Because if, if you look at the, the, the normal treatment, you know, a bunch of corticosteroids, a bunch of immun, immunomodulating drugs, not no, expensive human, medications, it messes up your yeah. immune system, it puts you at high risk for other cancers. Uh, so it's it's not. <laughs> You know, if, it, if 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 the choice is I'm going to take a uh, you know a drug that costs me three thousand dollars a month and increases my risk for lymphoma versus I'm going to eat steaks every day, I'll buy three thousand dollars worth of and, and, I mean, and increase know. my colon cancer risk from four percent to five percent. Right, right, <laughs> right. While, while while my risk from Crohn's disease goes down by three thousand percent. So I right, mean, see, it's, it's these competing fa- factors that most people don't know how to think about. Right, yeah, they that, just that makes it. That, that's what gets frustrating. That's the thing. Like I said, we got to take a big picture view. We got to say we're a complex organism. There's yeah. a lot of variables, and, and we probably still only identified maybe ten percent oh, of yeah. what's actually out oh, there. Oh my god! So Is we're that... like, you know, every you know every every month it's like something, some new discovery, and then of course everybody runs out to buy the supplement that supports that discovery. But I mean, it's, I don't it's, know. It's like all... my parents loved red meat. I mean, we're Midwesterns, and right? We li- lived to ninety two in this family, right. and my dad ate nothing but cold cuts and sausage, and yeah. and like. That was all that was in the refrigerator was meat. Right. Well, I mean, meat. you know, the, the classic counter argument to that is, well, there are smokers who lived 100 years and we know smoking is bad. Well, but my I mean, mom didn't live to 100 for that reason, but my dad did. But I mean, he you know. He just loved fat and I think meat. most humans do. I mean, I think that's, we're just, it's, it's a visceral need. And, you know, it, it's just something that we're designed for. There's a reason why. And a lot of energy. Yeah, there's a reason why that tastes good to us. You know, I mean, again, the same, you could make the same argument about sugar, though. Uh, the problem is the sugar we eat today, the form of sugar, you know, we might have got a little fruit back then, you know, probably small quantities. Right now, it's just, it's overwhelmingly everywhere, you know, and you can't get away but from he, that. But he swears that onions kept him alive. <laughs> Could be. You know, it's kind of funny. If you onions, look, yo. If you look at the super centenarians, you know, if you look at their all their stories, people yeah. live to be 150, and they all say, 
Uh, the secret to life was eating cookies. The secret yeah. to life was <laughs> eating bacon. The secret <laughs> to life was you know onions. smoking a cigarette every yeah. well, you know it's, it's you never time. know. Yeah. So it's so uh, how much does uh, twelve patties at In and Out cost? <laughs> uh, today I, I can tell you it's probably about twenty five bucks. No 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 it was uh, it was eleven bucks. Wow eleven bucks. See? So pound and a half cooked meat. That's and the other thing. The, the fallacy <laughs> is this diet has to be expensive. I mean there are a lot of people that can do this. You know you know particularly if they want to eat ground beef. You know it's four or five bucks a day. Well, that's so it's, why I bought the pork shoulder because yeah. I, I, the bacon's very expensive. Yeah. And, you know, this was like, I think I got 20 pounds of meat. You get pork belly maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. Oh, no, shoulder or butt or whatever. And I got 20 pounds at Smart and Final and it was 50% off. So it was a $40 piece of meat for 20 bucks. And we still have some You're left over. it for three weeks. Yeah, no, it's. I've, you, I've you, cooked it you know. on New Year's uh, Day, yeah. right? Yeah, still plenty left. Wasn't I'm still it New Year's that we did that? Yep. Oh. Yep. And, um, we just got back and you went right and did it. But right? I made another one this weekend. My son ate half of it. Yeah. So <laughs> What'd you make this weekend? I made another one, a small one. Oh, in, in oh that's what that was. Okay, oh. okay. He missed the whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was leftover for <laughs> the other one. I But it is, it's sort of like bacon. You can throw it in with eggs. You can do, you know, and it's, it's really good and it's cheaper. And then I'm, gonna oh, try I'm, I'm really hungry having this conversation. I All know. right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> S Baker MD on Twitter at S Baker MD on Twitter, and then of course and don't forget Instagram about your well. podcast. Yes, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. So Human Performance Outliers podcast. Myself and Zach Bitter. Zach, he just you know he just set the world record for the for a hundred mile trail run. You know, and he's wow. a, he's a, he's a, he's a Low carb. He does all meat a lot. Uh, he wrote he ran hundred miles in twelve hours eight minutes. Oh my god! That was like the fastest ever been run. That is he unbelievable. Just that. He just did that a couple about a month ago. So, and he's Crazy. he's big. He's that eating, would take me twelve days. He's <laughs> eating like two pounds of meat every day minimum, you know. And so nice. he's he's been doing well with that. So that's cool. Um, I can answer that licensure question if yeah, you want to. Yeah, please. please. So, Put that away. So I mean, so my status right now is I'll get my license back in February. You know, and it was in New Mexico. In New Mexico, and the reason. I mean, I surre- I voluntarily surrendered my license. It wasn't that it was taken away. I voluntarily surrendered because I got in a battle with an argument about the fact that I was, instead of offering people surgery, I was saying, let's cancel your surgery and do uh, lifestyle stuff. Uh, who, you know, who went after you for that? Well, it was, it was interesting. So, so when I was at the hospital, I said, look, because I was seeing very good results like people not needing surgery because they were, we were changing diet. And I said, I want to have one day a week where I just do lifestyle counseling. And they said, no, no, we don't have an appetite for that. Who's because, we? Uh, the the administ- hospital administration. Yeah. And so, so you were working for the hospital. At the time. I, was, I was employed for the hospital. Oh, and so, but I was ahead of the group. I was ahead of the group. I was very successful doing thousands of cases, one of the busiest surgeons in the state. What's your main – what do you well, do? I like? did general, but I did a lot of joint replacements, hips and knees, hips and knees shoulders, uh, and then sports medicine, and then trauma. And so – uh, you know, I was on the po- I was on the billboards, but you know, voted yeah. the best doctor in town. All that yeah. crap, radio yeah. shows, all the stuff you do. You know, I was doing that stuff, and they were, you know, all for me. And then when I started saying, "Look, I want to do lifestyle medicine one day a week," no, no. Then I said, "Well, let me be on the uh, employee wellness committee." You know, or let me let me do that. And they said, uh, so they sent me up there, and the gal was like a vegetarian, and said, "No, we have no interest in your ketogenic diet at this point." Right. Uh, and then I said, then there was a bariatric program they started up, and my my buddy is who's actually the bariatric surgeon. They said, "Well, we need a." non, you know, the, the non-operative part of it. I said, I want to do that. Let me be yeah. the non-operative guy. And they said, no, no, no. And then finally I said, I'm just going to do this stuff on my own. So I started blocking my schedule and I say, I'm going to spend, because you can't, you know, in orthopedics, I don't know how, how you know, you know, like psychiatry was, but in orthopedics, Medicine. it was, you know, five to seven minutes to see a patient. And yep. it's just not enough time to do counseling. So I was taking half an hour, 40 minutes with patients talking about lifestyle and stuff, canceling surgeries. 
didn't go well. So I got it. So they they then did a peer review on me, and they 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 used my direct direct competitor to 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 overview my cases. He said I disagree with these ones. I asked for a fair hearing trial. We did that, and you know it, it's just it's a very long story. But basically, at the end of it, they said we we uh, we agree with you. The cases you did were fine. The patients, there's nothing wrong with the patients. But we found that you're giving the patients too much choice uh, in their care, which is bizarre to me. They yeah. would say you you know it's not. They say well, it's not all you can. It's not a menu that the patients can. Did choose you from. did the American Academy of Orthopedics come to your defense at all? Or no, I didn't involve those guys. But I you know I didn't I didn't have a you know I got a lawyer after after I'd already been suspended from the oh, hospital, Jesus. which is too late, which I should have done it before. Yeah. But anyway, what happened was the state said, okay, look, we've got it. He said, she said, this is what you said, this is what the hospital says. Yeah. You can surrender your license and get independently evaluated, oh or God. you can or you can fight it. You know, and it may take a year, and it's going to be hundreds of thousand dollars. Yeah. I said, "Well, I'm just going to surrender my license, and get independently evaluated." And so I did that. I went up to Denver, this place called CPEP, which is a place that does that. They evaluated me, said, "There's totally nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Go back to practice." And so they sent that back into the state. They said, "said Okay, you reapply, and we'll give you your license back." And so that's what I did. And so in February, I should have that back. So, but it was a, Good. it was, it was a, it was a three year. Sounds horrible. Uh, Nightmare. It took two years of fighting with the hospital for that. You know, it took them a year to give me a, a year and a half to give me a trial. And it was just waiting, 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 waiting. And so, uh. anyway, so. Well, Dr. Baker, I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, congratulations. Me meantime, you work on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, work on it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> and, do something. Uh, it's it's always a, I'll stick a steak on it. That's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I wish you the best of success. Uh, not only uh, getting back into the medical world, but uh, with everything you're doing with the carnivore movement, uh, I, I really do. Thank you for uh, for coming on the show. Sure. Thank, Thank you. you Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. It is the Swole Patrol Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Catherwood. And Dr. Drew is at Dr. Drew, of course. Join the email list today. Send your questions. DrDrew.com slash contact. And put Swole at the top of the email so we can get your comments. And this will get you a weekly email reminder with a link to this show and all the great shows that Dr. Drew and I do and all the shows that Dr. Drew does by himself and, of course, with Adam Carolla, the great ace man. Please tell a friend and subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to rate us five stars. And on Podbean or Google Play, all three help us out. We also are on YouTube slash Dr. Drew, and I uh, hope you can give us all your comments, even if they're if you're a troll and you want to destroy our feelings and our emotions. Support our sponsors and the show. Click on the banners on drdrew.com for the links for special discounts for the products Dr. Drew and I endorse 100%. Send questions and comments to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Swole Patrol Podcast, or on Twitter at Swole Patrol Pod. And uh, be good. Be swole. Hashtag Swole Patrol.